Welcome everyone to God is Real, God is Good. This week, it's Kylie hosting, and with me today, I have Pastor David Dean. Say hi. Yeah, hi. So he is a pastor in Central California, Fresno area, you said? Yeah. Awesome. All right. So he, um, our, my friend Cliff that goes to church with me, we interviewed a couple weeks ago now, maybe a month ago, I don't know, but he actually... Um, recommended David to us and so woohoo Cliff for recruiting for us <laughs> um, but let's get started with a prayer guys dear Lord please be with um, David and I as we um, do this podcast please just give us words to speak that will bring glory to your name and that will show others the ways that you work in people's lives and that you care about them and that you want to part in everyone's life um, and thank you Jesus amen amen all right David so where are you from well, I'm originally from Reno, Nevada. That's where I was born and, and raised. And then when I was about 12 years old, I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area, lived in a, a city called San Mateo. And now I, I live in, in the mountains near Fresno. Okay. And, uh, yeah. That's nice. All right. And then, so what about your religious background? Did you grow up in a Christian home or? Yeah, I grew up in a, a Christian home, but it was kind of like a, you know, this, this mix of sacred and secular. So mm. we had a, a very strong uh, background with Christianity and, you know, we kind of bounced around from like a Baptist church and there's a Nazarene church that we went to, but my mom, you know, grew up in the church, very spiritual. My dad uh, probably grew up in the church as well, but I think at some point he became disillusioned with pastors and preachers and with the church. So he really wasn't a, a big time churchgoer. Mm. Uh, and then later on, we eventually became uh, Seventh-day Adventists after, uh, you know, after some time, and I'll probably get into a little bit more of that as I tell my story. All right, yeah, well, let's, let's jump into your story. It's good to start a little, knowing a little bit about you as we work yeah. into it. Yeah, and thanks again for, for having me on. It's awesome to be able to, to share, uh, I mean, the story of how Jesus and my, and my life, you know, intersected. Uh, but as I mentioned, I was born in, in Reno, Nevada, and, you know, I, I loved my childhood, and mm -hmm. very, I have this nostalgia still connected to it because um, Nevada has like four seasons and all of them were filled with amazingness. I went to, to a great school and had a lot of amazing friends. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe my, the first, I don't know, 11 or maybe seven or so years of my life. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> a lot of bad experiences, maybe tripping and falling, stepping on a nail and having to get a tetanus shot and stuff like that. But, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, my parents were very loving, very connected. I have three sisters. Uh, two older, one younger, and and life was great. You know, um, my my mom's a, an educator, so she was a teacher, and and my dad was an attorney, and uh, I don't know, it was almost like a picture perfect childhood to me. Yeah, uh, there, there were some things that I guess were kind of negative to some degree at at times. Dealing with, um, I guess it wasn't overt racism, but I lived in a very uh, a predominantly Caucasian, you know, uh, neighborhood, and mm -hmm. went to a school that was very similar and I was one of the only African-American kids that, uh, that was in that environment. And if anything, I got it from my friends, they would just say different things that I don't think they really meant. They would just, yeah. you know, I just pick it up and, and I mm -hmm. didn't even know to be offended by it. <laughs> so I take it up <laughs> home and tell my mom and dad and say, Hey, this is what I learned today. And they're like, uh, Oh no, let's educate you boy on. <laughs> uh, oh. No, everything was cool. And then, you know, by the time I hit uh, eight years old, that's when, I think the biggest turning point in my life came and that's when my, my father, uh, he came down with cancer 
And so he had lung cancer. He was a pretty heavy smoker. And I remember, you know, I would go to his office with him and he'd take me on, on trips to Vegas when he would go and do uh, his legal stuff. And we'd drive to this, this city called Winnemucca, which was a, it was a Native American uh, reservation out in Nevada. And he was like a deputy sheriff or something like that for them. And we'd drive around and everything, but I always just remember everything being smoky. <laughs> and <laughs> that and the casinos and everything, it, it's, it's, people could smoke inside at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, my father came down with cancer and I watched him deteriorate over time. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, just breaking down the strong image of my dad. And to the end, I still felt his nobility and strength, but just watching his body break down and him going through chemo, chemotherapy, losing his hair and and uh, that was very traumatic for me. I'm sure. Uh, by the time he passed away, uh, I was thinking I was in the second grade. And I remember the, mo- the morning my mom told us, I think I was getting ready to go out the door to school. I just remember standing by the front door of my house. And she told us, and, you know, I didn't cry. I didn't break down. I guess the first thought in my head was, uh, I've got to be the man of the house now. Uh, which I think is cool with my dad, at least whatever example he gave me was that, okay, like it's time to step up for, you mm-hmm. know, and, and be the man and take care of my family. And of course I'm like eight, so yeah. it's not, I can't work. I, you know, I'm not going to be able to secure the house if some robber comes in. Uh, but at the same time, that's the, the feeling I had is uh-huh. it, it, take my dad's place now. Yeah. Um, and it affected me in other ways. I think I just kind of shut down. What I remember is that I uh, would just became quiet. And I would come home from school and I really wouldn't connect as much with my friends. I would kind of take my bath and get in the bed really early mm. and it'd still be light outside and I'm just in the bed and I'm watching TV and I'm like, man, this, this is amazing. This is a life right here. I'm just <laughs> you know, but I think what, what was really going on is I was probably, my mom told me that I maybe felt like I was going to die. It was probably oh. somewhat of a childhood depression probably, and, and just kind of started disconnecting from people, from life. And mm-hmm. uh, I still kind of struggle with that. I'm already naturally introverted, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I wasn't, uh, then that, that kind of brought it on, is going retreating into myself mm-hmm. and uh, into my thoughts. And, uh, you know, so that, that affected me, you know, pretty heavily, uh, more than I thought. And I think I did eventually cry over my, my dad. Uh, but the interesting thing about, you know, his death and how it connects or intersects with my religious experiences, of course, we were going to a lot of different churches. And I remember we were going to a Nazarene church at that time. And uh, my dad, again, was not, he didn't really go to church with us very much. He was not super into it. I, I read some, some, some newspapers from his, uh, from his law school that he went to that he was an editor, part editor for, he would write articles for them. And I kind of picked up his sentiment towards the church and religion, which wasn't antagonistic, but it was just kind of cool, distant, indifferent. Uh, My mom told me that maybe he kind of encountered a lot of hypocrisy uh, among preachers and pastors that he knew. That's really hard. It is. But he did actually develop somewhat of a friendship with the Adventist pastor in Sparks, Nevada, which is right next door to, to Reno. It's a suburb of Reno. Okay. And so he did some legal work for, for this pastor and his family and uh, he was the only pastor my dad respected. Mm-hmm. So my dad is in the hospital getting ready to die. Uh, this pastor, his name was uh, Pastor Harvey Williams. The pastor came and visited him, and my dad asked him and said, hey, if I die, I want you to, you know, to basically do the funeral. 
And so I remember as a kid, we, you know, some limo picked us up. We drive to the Nazarene church and we're sitting there in the front row and here's, you know, pastor Williams, um, you know, giving the eulogy and, and leading out in the service. And, uh, you know, I had the tape of that before and just, it was just a very surreal moment. And so, uh, you know, beyond that, eventually we, uh, started to, well, my mom at rather started to kind of feel an emptiness with uh where her christianity was and she's a very spiritual person Uh, but she i think she just felt uh, uneasy and Mm -hmm. i think god was getting ready to to, you know do some shifting in our lives spiritually and so we ended up at a bible study a revelation seminar small group bible study with pastor williams at the adventist church in sparks and uh long story short we were studying and eventually my mom you know chose to become an adventist that meant all of us had to start. <laughs> yep. So we go from Sunday, you know, school and, and church on Sunday to uh, church on, on Sabbath, on Saturday. And my oldest sister would drop us off. My mom didn't require her to go like us younger kids because she was already 18 and getting ready to go to college. Yeah. Uh, so she'd drive us, drop us off. And my mom would take us. And we started attending the Adventist church there in, in Sparks and uh, developed some really good friendships. I have some friendships that I, you know, I've maintained to this day. Uh, and I was probably about, I don't know, 10 uh, or 11 at this time. And uh, then came another, you know, kind of massive shift in our lives. Uh, my mom, you know, was telling us that her mother, who lived in San Mateo, California, uh, was getting sick. And I think maybe she felt like she was going to die. Mm. And uh, so we, she told us, hey, we're moving to California. And it was kind of bittersweet because we would go and travel through the mountains, go through Tahoe during the snow. When it's snowing and blizzards outside, we're like putting on chains, traveling to grandma's house. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. Thanksgiving. And, and so we had this deep connection to California because that's where grandma is. That's where my cousins were, my uncles, like a lot of family mm-hmm. uh, lived in that area. And so it's like, okay, we get to go live there. But man, I loved being in Nevada. I loved my friends. I had really great experiences there. So leaving was, was going to be another challenge, another uh, a shock you know, yeah. to my, my life. And leaving behind the house we grew up in that my dad had purchased and, and all of that. So you know, we uh, finally packed up everything and, and we left it all behind and, or left at least our memories and, and our, you know, sold the house and, and moved to, to California. And uh, I mean, the interesting thing was I got get there and like my grandma, <laughs> she's not like, she just died three years ago. And this was back, like we moved there when I was, yeah, like 12. And, oh, wow. And she just died like three years ago. I'm not going to say what my age is now, but like, <laughs> not, I, I, I don't know. It's been more than 10 years. We'll say that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, uh, so either way, grandma was strong and healthy and, and, and whatever. And we get to California and man, that was the biggest culture shock of my life. So my dad had died. Then we moved and I land in California and the culture of California, obviously, I mean, the whole country knows California is different. Yeah. But man, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. Uh, honestly, there were like certain ethnicities and races of people that I had never encountered before uh-huh. that I never met before I never knew they even existed oh wow uh, because where we lived in Nevada was it was pretty much white and there were a few very few African Americans here and there I think I knew a couple of like one or two you know Asian friends mm-hmm. Asian friends and I think I knew a guy that was like 
Hispanic, but he was just as acculturated as I was and, and, mm. and everything. So that was the extent of my, uh, my understanding of, of race and ethnicity. Yeah. So I get to California and it's just like, oh, where have these people been hiding? What happened? Oh, <laughs> we did some Tongan uh, folks who went to the Adventist church, a large Tongan uh, uh, population was there. So uh, I get there and then the music was different. Like I grew up on like rock music, top 40s, you know, all the major names from the 80s. <laughs> like I, I listened to music, MTV when it was just like first coming out, like I, like I was into all that kind of stuff. But man, there was, there was a music and a culture I wasn't ready for and the way that kids would dress. So like I come in as this nerdy kind of, they probably thought I was like some surfer dude. My language was like, oh, cool, awesome, whatever. <laughs> I'm just skateboarding and like, you know, and I'm African-American. So when I land there in San Mateo, like most of the guys who looked like me were not doing the things and talking the way that I learned to, to oh. talk and learn to do. Yeah. Uh, the thing that saved me, I think, is I had a cousin who uh, was uh, really close to me. And, and so he navigated me through like, you know, figuring out who was who and what not to do and how to survive. Oh, I'm sure that's helpful. Great, and through middle school. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's like a tough, that's like a tough age to like transition. Like it's already like, I need to fit in. Like, how do I fit in with my peers? And then like, you're yeah. in a new place and with a different culture. And yeah, and that is really the, you know, I still work with a lot of young people within that age group and I love working with teenagers. And so I see it like it, it, it that's never going away. It's just a time of life when you're trying to figure out who you are, but you're figuring out who you are within the context of who everyone else is. Mm -hmm. And so formity and, and finding a tribe and fitting in is like, that's your survival. And anyone who's on the outskirts or lonely or alone or whatever, like you either, you usually don't survive, you know, at least yeah. emotionally or what have you, uh, those years and come out unscathed. So, um, so yeah, so the culture shock was a, was a huge thing. And then, yeah, just, just pretending to be something I wasn't. Uh, my, my language changed, the way I walked changed, the music I listened to changed, how I ordered myself. And my mom, you know, taught us to be very, you know, articulate and very uh, proper. When we're in public, like you had to be, you know, on oh, it. Yeah. You know, and so uh, like I just lived in between these two worlds just trying to, to make it happen. And so it was a lot of stress during that time too. Like my mom, when we first got there, like we moved from a a decent sized house. We have, you know, four of us kids and mom and dad and, and a nice neighborhood. We moved into, uh, my grandma actually had these apartments in the back of her uh, house. We moved into one of her apartments and it was like two bedrooms, one bath. And so we moved, trying to move all this stuff that we oh, had wow. into this really small space. And I'm used to having my own room and now I'm sleeping in the living room on a oh. bed. And so it's just a shock in that respect too, but also stress for my mom because my dad's not around. Uh, as an educator, she's trying to find a job. She's trying to make sure that we're okay, cook our meals, you know, with, as a teacher during the year, like it's crazy. Like you're up early, you're, you're up late, you're correcting papers, you're doing stuff for the school, you're extending above, you know, going be above and beyond or extending yourself. So there was a lot of stress uh, in the house and uh, a lot of disconnect. We just all kind of went to our own worlds. My sisters, my oldest sister was already in school. Um, that in Virginia and my two other sisters and I, I think we all just, just tried to do our own thing. I don't remember us being as connected as we used to be. Mm -hmm. And I, and here I am the only boy just trying to make my way. 
Um, but it, some other, there was something else that happened. I think at that time that was, you know, it was definitely a God thing. Uh, I was 12 years old and we didn't know where an Adventist church was. So we were attending my grandmother's Baptist church and I had been there before when I came to visit. And, uh, I think one of the things that kind of helped me to stay sane and somewhat stable was the fact that we were going to church. We'd go to Sunday school and, and, you know, listen to the teachers and then go get donuts, you know, after church (laughs) before church started. And, uh, one day we were sitting, you know, after Sunday school, what they would do is everybody would now go into the sanctuary and they would kind of go over the giving report and this, it's whatever they were doing. We kids Mm -hmm. weren't that much attention. We we were just waiting for donuts. Yep. (laughs) And, uh, And then they would also kind of open, they would call, they would say, open up the doors of the church. Basically they would start singing these songs and they would say, does anyone want to accept Jesus? Or does anyone want to be baptized? And I was sitting there one time, my cousin was sitting next to me and I unmistakably, you know, I heard the voice of God um, calling me and it wasn't like audible necessarily. It was just this thing in my heart, my conscience. And I said, I said, God's calling me (laughs) to give my life to him and to be baptized. And so I remember as they were singing these songs and saying, Hey, does anyone want to come up? Like I remember standing up and I walked right up there and my cousin Mm -hmm. followed me. And, uh, I think, and I, I sensed God's voice before when I was a kid, I, I would, as least looking back now, I would hear these, these statements, you know, that God would, I now believe was God speaking to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think just kind of encouraging me uh, after the loss of my dad and just telling me my future was going to be okay. And the reality is my mom, when I was a kid, I don't know if I was a baby, she just felt like she could not take care of, she couldn't raise a man. Like she felt like I can't raise a man. So she said, she gave me to God. And she said, God, you know, David is, is yours now. I'm giving him to you. And I, so I think I felt, I felt all my life, this fatherhood coming from God, especially since I lost my dad and God is kind of watching over me. And that's probably why I'm a pastor because God said, Oh, okay, thanks. I'll take him like Samuel and all. Yeah. And it's like, thanks mom. Like I could have done some other stuff, but you that's gave me awesome. stuff and now I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm That's happy. awesome. Like on her part though, because like she like sees like, she's able to like see that like she needs God and that like you can't, because like sometimes we even think like, you know, we have God on our side. So like we just keep doing this and keep doing this. That God will just like help us. But sometimes we need to say, okay, God, take this into your hands. Like this is yours. It's very true. And that's exactly what she did. And, uh, and that's the kind of spiritual person that she still is, you know, she's just very much, you know, we would walk into the room and my mom would be just praying on her knees during the middle of the day. And we knew not to disturb her. And she's just, and so we got that example of a praying Mm. mom, of a mom that in spite of all of her imperfections, uh, just a beautiful person and, and just so sold out, you know, for the Lord. And so, you know, we prepared for baptism. I remember, you know, ultimately getting baptized, but of course, like I didn't know how to keep my faith going. No one said, Hey, study the Bible. There was no follow-up or discipleship. It was just, we'll keep coming to church. Mm-hmm. So naturally I'm still doing what 12 year old, 13 year old, 14 year old boys and, and stuff do. I'm playing video games all day long. I'm hanging out. We're, you know, trying to get girls numbers and <laughs> like that stuff and just trying to get and survive. Yeah. Uh, even all the way into to high school. Uh, and so my freshman year of high school, uh, my mom, I think I went to, where did I go? I, you know what? My mom put me into an Adventist school. She put me in Mountain View Academy. Okay. I was so angry. I remember mm-hmm. we went to, uh, in orientation, 
you know, before school started to kind of go and sign up or whatever registration, I don't know. But I was so upset because I wanted to go to San Mateo High School and all my uncles went there and played sports and held records mm. there. And, and, you know, all my friends from middle school were going there. And it's like, really? Like, you're going to send me to this religious school? And I thought, I'm like, I'm going to walk in here with all these spiritual kids and pastor's kids. And, and they're going to be like floating down the hallway like <laughs> <laughs> with halos and stuff like that. And it's like, uh, I'm not really interested in being this like in this super sanctified, you know, sterile, sanitized environment. I mean, I loved God. I had a God conscience. We finally found an Adventist church that we were going to. And, uh, you know, I had one friend there that, you know, actually was in a, ended up going to Mountain View Academy as well. But I was so angry. I remember the first day I walked in, you know, to the registration, some girl like greeted me and said, hi, how's it going? And I just, I don't, I don't even know if I said anything. I just probably Aww. had a scowl on my face and it wasn't <laughs> nice. I apologized to her later. Um, but anyway, so Mountain View Academy, that first year, that one year I went actually, um, it was the opposite of what I thought the kids would be <laughs> like. Uh, I get there thinking like, man, these kids are going to be all, you know, whatever and into the Bible and totally into God. And, you know, and it wasn't, they were not like, there were some that were going after the Lord, but for the most part, uh, like there were things there that I would not get into. Like I've been, I knew how I was raised. I would pretend like I was a certain way, even there at Mountain View, I would pretend that I was, you know, more hip than I was more. Mm -hmm like harder than I was more street than I really was. And I knew how to act it well because I watched it all the time with guys I was hanging around with. But these folks took, you know, went to another level, the drugs, the, the oh. drinking, you know, the, the sexuality. Uh, I, I, I literally told my mom, I said, look, I have to get out of there. And it wasn't just because I wanted to now be at San Mateo. I knew if I stay here for another, you know, two or three years, I'm going to be just like them probably. Yeah. So I said this for my, for my, I wouldn't say for my salvation then, but for now, I would say now I would say it would it would have totally wrecked my life mm -hmm. to remain, unfortunately, within that Adventist school. And I wish I didn't have to say that, but it's real. Um, and it wasn't no knock on the teachers; it was just it's just what it was. Yeah, yeah, no, and and that's like really sad too, because like you know, it's this place like claiming to be a form of like representing in some ways you know christ and it's supposed to be teaching you about christ and bringing you closer but really because that can be hard for like kids coming from certain homes you know like you obviously knew what was wrong what was right but like kids to walk in like saying this is a christian environment and to experience all those things like sometimes it's harder to say no when it's your christian friend saying will you do this with me like like for me personally, like if it's a friend that I'm like, my mom's like, she's bad news. Like look at the family and they're not Christian. Then I can see, like, I don't want to do everything she does. But if it's my Christian friend over here, she's like, let's do this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but that's good that you like, cause it can be hard. Like if that's what everyone around you is doing, it can be hard to be like, no. Yeah. And, and again, I could have found some kids that were probably, you know, and some squares and I was like, I don't want to hang out with these square kids. I'm no. hanging out with like freshmen group of guys and we're like the fearsome foursome like we were just like you know teachers would cry because of stuff we were doing we broke like wow. big windows we were just like not not i mean you figure like the seniors are usually bad to the freshmen we were just like uh little terrorizers a little bit uh so i had to get out of there and i did and i went to to Semito high school for the rest of my uh, my high school years and uh you know before i went to i guess yeah before i went to 
transitioned to San Mateo. After that year of Mount View Academy, during the summertime, my mom took us on this really amazing train trip uh, across the country. We started off in the Bay Area and we traveled all the way, you know, Southern California, got off in Louisiana. We got off in Washington, D.C. And, and Philadelphia and Chicago. And we saw family and just connected with people. And, and I know that God was preparing something on that trip for me and just all these confirmations that he's, that he's with me, that he's, that he's leading me. And so we get to Philadelphia and, you know, I'm connecting with one of my uncles there who used to play in the NFL, but now he was, you know, doing some other stuff, uh, you know, with his life. And he, I just remember being there with a, another guy that he was living with. And one morning I woke up, I think it was actually Sunday morning. We were getting ready to go to church. And, uh, the guy he was living with, who I think was one of the pastors or was a real spiritual guy, just came up to me and he just like looked at me and he kind of shook my hand for some reason. And it was almost like this, this moment that God wanted me to remember. And I don't remember if he said anything, but it was almost like he recognized something that I didn't or he saw something I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that morning we we're at church and, uh, you know, they asked, does anyone want to praise God or share something? And all of a sudden out of nowhere, I just felt this, uh, it was, it was the Holy Spirit. I just felt this, this rush, this push, this almost like willing coercion to stand up and start sharing. So I stood up and said, you know what, I, I just praise God that we're here. I feel like, you know, the reason why we're even, you know, on this train trip is so that we can make it to this moment. And, you know, just, I just started going off. The Holy Spirit was just speaking. Oh, wow. And man, I had this massive, like, un, you know, I don't know, indescribable spiritual high for the rest of the trip i was just like on one you know lord and i'd be sitting in the train by myself looking out the window and just singing and 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 praising god and just like talking to the lord and praying and so i was about 14 years old and uh and i knew like like i knew that that was the lord and i just felt clean i felt purified i didn't ask for it i didn't call out for this it was just the lord um jumping into my life at that moment and I get back home and trying to maintain that spirituality. Cause I'm like, man, like I feel God is in my soul. Right. Yeah. Um, but again, no one says, Hey, read your Bible. This is how you maintain faith. So I'm back to video games and hanging out, whatever. Yeah. And I've been that, that, that sense of the power of, of Jesus in my life kind of faded um, just because I didn't know how to maintain it. But I think what God was doing is almost like, Samson, the Bible says that God would move him in the camp at times, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, God moves in and he's just showing me, Hey, I'm, I'm with you from childhood. I spoke to you. I'm with you. You got baptized and I, I called you to that. You're 14 years old and I'm calling you, you know, then. And yeah. so you recognize me upon these steps, uh, in your life, uh, your imperfect life, your sinful life. I just want you to know, like, you'll see these markers and these landmarks to show like, Hey, this is, this is where I am. This is where I've been you know, in your life. So, uh, from there, I, I started San Mateo high school, uh, and, uh, for the first, I don't know, two years, I'm just doing life as a high school student, uh, still maintaining better. And I really felt like that was a better environment for me because in Mountain View, I knew I was trying too hard and there in San Mateo, I could just sit back because there were some guys who were really, really like into some stuff and I could just be myself and not have to feel like I got to represent anything because that was not my lifestyle. It was not how I rolled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was 17, I was in high school, uh, or, you know, obviously I was in high school, but I was on the, the, the varsity basketball team and, and, you know, running track and, and just being involved. And my mom would have us 
periodically sit down and, and do family worship. And it was so infrequent that there was no rhythm to it. It's just uh, when she thought we need to worship God right now together. So she's pulling in myself and my two sisters. We're all teenagers. And so this is not the best thing for us. Like we want to be hanging out, talking to our friends, playing video games, going down the street, but like family worship, like, no, and we'd already <laughs> been kind of disconnected again, coming into this, this experience in the Bay area, uh, just because of everything we've been through. And I remember one time my mom sat us down, we're all probably arms folded, you know, bummed out, like waiting for this to be over. Yeah. Uh, and she said, okay, guys, I want you to write a letter to God. And oh. we're just like, oh. And like my mom was crazy. Like as a kid, when I was, I don't know, I could have been 11, 10. Like during the summertime, we would have to read stuff. Like I had to read Moby Dick and oh. Lord of the Rings. Like she would give us massive books to read. Uh-huh. Because she's an educator. She's going to educate yeah. you. <laughs> Even on the train trip we had to keep a, 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 like a log of every place we went and what oh, experiences wow. we had. So like, I'm trying to enjoy a trip, but I got to keep a journal. You know? <laughs> You're like, this is not what I wanted. I know, like, sucks to be me to like have this mom who's, you know, all about education and academics and, you know, uh, <laughs> and stuff. But no, I, I really appreciate her doing that because it, it, it set me, you know, ahead uh, yeah. in a lot of respects. And so I value that, you know, but, She's uh she's asking us to write a letter to God. So of course, mom, this is this is not optional. <laughs> so it's gonna happen. Uh, this is not religious liberty moment. <laughs> so I write my letter. I remember I still have it somewhere. I don't know, but I remember writing, "Hey God, I want an undefeated basketball season. Uh, help me to stop treating girls so mean." And then I wrote this one line that said. God, please take all the sin out of my life. Mm. And, you know, I think most young people recognize that we're, you know, when you're off, off base and into some stuff, I think there's a God conscience that we all have mm -hmm. that people try to deny it, you know, but we can't really escape it. No. And so uh, my mom, I think she held on to the letters and tucked it away. And so three months later, that must have been in Jan like January, three months later, it might have been March or April. And I remember I was cleaning my room and it was necessary to do that because it was a 17 year old boy's room. <laughs> I, would I would rearrange my room like every couple of months. I just had to have some change and I just make it all nice and neat. Yeah. And I remember I got to the closet and I'm like, man, this is like wild. And uh, I was cleaning stuff out and then I, I looked and the bottom of the closet on the floor was one of those Revelation seminar notebooks that I got when I was studying with Adventist pastor in, in Sparks, Nevada, when oh. I was 11 years old. I said, yeah, I'll remember that. So I reached down and I picked it up. And the moment that I grabbed that, the Holy Spirit, again, just, whoo, just, it, I, it just felt like the room was like on fire. There was like oh, this, wow. this, 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 this storm, not necessarily in the room, but it was me, but the Holy Spirit entered in. And I believe in answer to that prayer because in my mind, I always connected to the letter, that prayer. Uh, I said, like, God, take all the sin out of my life because he, he, I guess he tried to help me stop treating girls mean. We did not have an undefeated basketball season, <laughs> but this one prayer, he said, this is the one I'm going to answer. Mm. And man, I just started like tearing these posters off my wall, throwing back then, you know, CDs were, were in vogue, but you didn't have like 
iPods and iPads and, and yeah. had your music on it. So I'm throwing away like cassette tapes and stuff like that, you know, into the trash, just things that I inherently knew, like, this is not of God. And the mm. Holy Spirit like that, that, that. So he wasn't only just cleansing me from the inside. He knew the stuff that was external, that was, that was controlling the inside needed to go. Yeah. So uh, I emptied all that stuff out immediately. Like my, I felt like my diet needed to change. And I think I had picked up stuff from, you know, being in an Adventist church uh, for a number of years. I just, you know, cause I would, yeah, I would tell people, you know, they would try to tell me, Oh, don't drink milk or don't do this. I'm like, man, can you show me that in the Bible? Like, don't eat, <laughs> you don't eat. it's like, come on, man. They tell you talk about Ellen White. And I'm like, look, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I'm not really into that. You know, this whole profit thing, woman profit thing too. <laughs> it was not where I was at. So, uh, no, but it was just, I, I think I was trying to change my diet. Then I also did what a lot of young Christians do. And I'm like, trying to force my newfound like zeal on my mom and my sisters and everyone's like, Oh, this Pharisee, you know, or, <laughs> like, you're too much right now. Mm. Uh, I was just so on fire for God. And I remember spending, uh, man, was that was my junior year in high school. And immediately I just, I stopped cursing. I would act different. I stopped going out with my friends during the daytime, you know, on the weekend, I would just sit in my room and I remember <laughs> opening the Bible and I would just read the Bible for hours. Wow. So I would read, you know, the old Testament and the new Testament one portion per day. I would, you know, try to figure out what the Bible is saying. And now I knew like, this is how I maintain my faith. Like no one told wow. me to do this. I mean, I just knew by the Holy spirit. Like God like, led you there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, you want to hold on to this, this time you need to uh, stick with the scriptures. Yeah. So, just filling my mind with that. I'm going back through that revelation seminar book that I got when I was, you know, uh, just a little kid and I'm learning the prophecies. I'm understanding this stuff. And, uh, by the time my senior year came, you know, I was like known as like the Christian dude of like, they, I would always pray before our games. Like everyone would always ask me to be the one praying. And if I missed a game, like some guy would step in and try to pray. It's like, Oh, you weren't there. I had to pray, you know, whatever. <laughs> like secular guys, like these, these are dudes like, <laughs> you know, into some stuff, but like everyone, you know, was, uh, was just aware, like, this is how I rolled now. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I roll with God and I would represent him. I would talk about him. I remember the being in class and that's awesome. Know, it wasn't just like inward change and just like your like home environment that changed your like whole life. Like people saw that you were like oh, committed yeah. and different. It's transformation stuff. And, yeah. you know, and just the power of the Bible, you know, changing my mind, expanding my knowledge. I mean, I was already, I already grew up again in a, in a home that was, you know, two professional parents and, and expectations about academics and education. But, you know, I'd sit there in class or in my English class, my teacher would ask us these questions and, and talk to us about different things. And I remember like coming up with stuff that I don't remember learning, but just, you know, but just sharing, I think from just the wisdom that came from scripture. And I would just say stuff, I would counteract certain things she'd be saying about life or about whatever. And uh, I remember like occasionally she would like not say things because she knew I would like, and I wasn't mean, but it was yeah. just like, it's true. And everyone's like, like, dang, like, where's this guy coming from? <laughs> and the beauty of Christianity, what Jesus does when he takes your life, like, the, the, the wonder of the Christian life is infinitely more powerful and joyful and, and amazing than any other worldview, any other, you know, experience someone can have. And when you, it's really adopted and not just this external profession, mm -hmm. uh, it, 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 it not only transforms you, but it, it now becomes a transforming power in the lives of others. And I think God wants to use that witness, that story, that testimony 
to help other people see, no, like God is real yeah. uh, God, and he exists in humanity. Uh, and when he shows himself in that, uh, he's trying to get other people to say, you know what, I'm, I think I want to become, I'm almost persuaded to become a Christian, you know? Yeah. So God really, you know, used that throughout my senior year. And I was getting involved. I was, you know, involved in music and, and we had a little singing group and uh, I started writing poetry, you know, when I was younger. So I do a lot of, you know, poetry here and there. And so that was other things that kept me grounded besides sports and, and my faith was music and poetry. And, um, and then eventually, I think it was when I was 17, that same year, uh, when all this stuff just transformed, uh, we would have youth days at our church. And so they would, you know, ask sometimes for different young people to speak. So one youth day, they asked myself and two others to, to preach. And uh, I, you know, said, okay, let's, let's do this. So the first time I preached when I was, when I was 17, and I started preaching more often on different youth days and stuff like that. And people would say, oh, you're going to be a pastor. And I was like, oh, no way. Like, you know, <laughs> no way. That's a lot of responsibility. And you're like, no. <laughs> it just wasn't appealing. I mean, oh, since, yeah. since a kid, I really, I mean, I grew up on MTV. So I mean, like, <laughs> I was a and musician. And, and, I, and lo and behold, like, I didn't even know this. And my dad was, you know, when dad was alive, like eventually I found out like he was a musician. He went to a conservatory of music in Texas. He would travel oh, wow. with. Uh, you know, well-known individuals, and especially in the Southern scene and uh, blues musicians and, and play jazz and knew how to play multiple instruments and wrote mm -hmm. songs. So I didn't even know that. So it's in me. It's like, yeah. It, yeah. And I can like see behind you yeah. via our Zoom. You've got like, you've got drums and a guitar, tambourine. Like, that's just what I can see. Yeah. I got the instruments I can't even play. I just <laughs> go by a music store that I just want, I just want to live there right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's so, you know, it's, it, it's, that came from, uh, you know, from my, my dad as well, but, uh, either way, you know, preaching for that first time and, and, and at 17 and it just kept going and people saying, Hey, this is going to be your profession is going to be. And I, and I didn't want to be that at all. It just wasn't something I, I wanted. So yeah, rock star be cool, you know, <laughs> uh, let's, let's do business or like help our, help the community just whatever. So by the time I graduated, uh, that was really what was on my, my mind was either doing something to help a community, but also radio TV was something I really wanted to get into radio TV communications. Uh, and so going into to college, uh, I was just kind of going to, to school and still maintaining my Christianity. But one thing I think that threw me off was that uh, I didn't know how to find Christian music. <laughs> so mm. I, I remember listening to I don't know my mom like loved Sandy Patty you know and so I remember trying to find those tapes and then uh just looking for some stuff and then I got a hold of a group that I won't mention just because uh but it was a it's a, a Christian group I actually I have in this group but they had some songs that they would mix with you know songs I actually grew up with oh, okay. uh, and so that kind of got me you know thinking about like 80s music again which is I think from a secular standpoint, you know, some of the uh, time of great music. Nowadays, it's like, I mean, I don't listen to really secular music, folk stuff sometimes, but it's like music has so changed and it's not even music to me anymore. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, so they mixed it up. And so it got me back into listening to 80s music. I said, this must be safe. It's just stuff I grew up with. Mm -hmm. And then it went from there to now jazz to R&B, back into hip hop. So it, going through my college years, I 
I still believe in God. I still was reading my Bible. I was still praying, but man, um, like I would be at clubs, I'd be at parties. I, and I, I, my mom eventually moved back to Nevada and I was living with my sister and roommates and we would have parties and, uh, it, you know, I didn't dabble in a whole lot, but I, but you might as well, I might as well have, like, I, mm. it was, it seemed like it was going to go far, but I was maintaining this again, secular, spiritual, sacred, secular mm-hmm. kind of thing. I would still preach sometimes. I mean, I got earrings. I, I eventually got tattoos and all this stuff going on, but they would still ask me to preach and they'd say, but you can't have your earrings in. So I I'd like, whatever, I take my earrings out, preach, go in the bathroom oh, wow. after that, put my earrings back in. And, um, but God, you know, didn't abandon me. And I was working at different jobs and some, uh, some great places. I remember I was working at a, at a bank uh, eventually in the Bay Area. And uh, things were going pretty well, so I thought. But I also was feeling like life had less meaning, less purpose. And I didn't know where I was going professionally. Like my, I didn't know where I was going at all. Mm-hmm. Slowly but surely, um, God started a revival, you know, in my life again. And so I remember like all my jewelry I was wearing because I was uh, earrings, chains, all kinds of stuff going on. I remember I was at a concert and recognized like, oh man, I forgot my earrings at home. And, you know, I then immediately felt like naked. And then God used that to say, see man, see your dependence on stuff like this. Mm. And, and then eventually my diet changed again. And, you know, a bunch of other stuff just started happening and God was just creating this, this, this new me again. And you know, I was at my job feeling like, okay, uh, I'm here, but this is not where I want to be. I still want to do music, still want to do radio, TV. I didn't finish school because I had to start working full time. I was going to school full time and I was just tired all the time. And so it was just terrible. So I was just working to make money and pay the bills. And uh, <clears throat> I remember, you know, one time I was, uh, I was still preaching here and there, still into church. But I remember one time I was on my break and I was looking out and I worked in the corporate office. And so I was looking out of this massive window overlooking like the bay and I was talking to God and I said, you know what, God, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe I'd want to be a youth pastor or something like that. <laughs> I feel like God was like, ah, gotcha, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like that week, like my senior pastor of my church, he came to me and I guess I, I had gone, actually I went gone back to Nevada and preached uh, at my old church to old friends, there was a youth revival. And like, I did this baptismal call and like, wow. like 20, 20 teenagers came up for baptism and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I'm just, you know, my twenties now just preaching, just doing whatever. It's like, I wasn't, you know, called by anyone else to do. It was just the Lord. Um, and so he saw, and then they, there was an article in, I think it was the recorder, uh, that showed me and I had dreadlocks by that time. <laughs> and, uh, it showed me with, you know, standing up there with all these kids that came up for, you know, the call to baptism. And so I think like the timing of me saying, you know, maybe, I, maybe I'd want to be a pastor. I, you know, I don't know. What, what, and my, that very week, my pastor saw that article and he was like, Hey, I want to make you the associate pastor of this church. Wow. Like, this is crazy. Like, you're no like that's gotta be God. <laughs> like the moment you're like, okay, God's like, all right, you said yes. Yeah. He's on it. And, and that didn't happen. But what it did, kind of put in motion was one like now me sensing this call to what people said I was going to do when I was 17 18 years old and that's to be be a pastor and I hadn't gone to school I hadn't you know uh, I was still 
probably gonna pursue radio TV and go to San Francisco State and do some stuff there. But then I'm like, okay, that means I need to apply to PUC, Pacific Union College, or I need to apply to Oakwood College or university or whatever. And, um, and so I like put in applications feeling like this is what I need to do and like do some crazy whatever, like I was corresponding and all of a sudden corresponds would just stop. Like I even had like an acceptance letter, I think, and it's just like, boom, nothing. And God's just like, stop, bro. Like if I've called you, I'll do this. Because mm. I'm at a job that I liked, but I didn't love it. And once I felt called to the ministry, I'm like, get me out of here. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, but the Lord said, no, there's some stuff I need to teach you. So another, it was another two or three years that I stayed there at that job. And every day I'd go in there on the grind and I would hate it because I knew I shouldn't have been there. I didn't mm. want to. But what God did was he started disciplining me. He was using me to like give Bible studies to people, pray for people. Wow. And really my Christianity and my, the awareness of other, that other people had about who I was at that job um, increased. I would be talking to like vice presidents of certain departments. They would call on me to help with projects. They sit, and one lady would just call me in the office just to talk philosophy and about whatever. And she's like a VP of like a whole department. Uh, but she just had this need for God or whatever it was. I don't know. Um, and so the Lord would use, you know, just use me in that, that, that mm -hmm. realm. But eventually, um, eventually that same pastor that wanted to hire me, you know, for that church, he was instrumental in getting me hired with the Central California Conference to basically start a youth ministry. Uh, so I wasn't trained. I wasn't ordained. I wasn't, you know, didn't go. It was just, uh, I still didn't have my degree. And they, they hired me to do uh, what was called the Urban Youth Evangelism Team. So I ran that for a number of years. And then, you know, they, that moved, that kind of morphed into something else. And I was working with young adults and eventually, uh, you know, got a call to, to pastor a district in, in Central California. And then, of course, now I'm, you know, pastoring in Clovis. Uh, but one really interesting point about, about this whole, you know, journey to being a pastor and, and still sometimes feeling like, man, like, I know I feel like I'm pastoring now, but I want to still do other, other things in connection with it. Like, obviously, you know, my wife and I, we, we, uh, you know, still do music and we haven't really launched a huge part of it because we've been having all these kids and stuff like that. <laughs> and now that I think we're done. We just had a son a couple of months ago. Um, we're like, okay, now we need to launch music. And I finally finished my schooling. I finished, you know, my master's at La Sierra, um, this year. Or early, you know, earlier this year. So like those things are all in place. But uh, what's interesting is like, this, this connection with, uh, with Pastor Harvey Williams going back to Nevada and my dad's funeral and he preaches a funeral. We end up taking Revelation Bible study, Revelation seminar Bible studies with him. Uh, when I was, I don't know, late high school, early 20s, he came and did this revival series uh, at my home church in the Bay Area. And he had baptized my mom and then I got rebaptized as a seven day Adventist, uh, under, you know, pastor Williams. Oh, and then okay. when I finally got hired to, to work in the ministry, I, uh, you know, he was living in California in the same area as I was. Wow. And so when I was kind of in between, I would have to travel and go into between, you know, different cities. So when I was in Fresno, I was actually doing an evangelistic series at Clovis, which is now the church I pastor. But I was just a young guy back then. I wasn't even a yeah. pastor. I, I stayed with him and his, and his wife. And so it was like this guy that buried my dad and baptized me and baptized my mom. Here I am all these years later as an adult 
and he's, you know, like encouraging me in the ministry and like building into me and everything. Um, a few years, a few years ago, actually, he died. And, uh, and, and I just remember sitting there and his body is like in the casket and it, it was just kind of surreal. I wrote a poem that I recited, you know, there and within the poem, I kind of mentioned what I knew would be happening here. And that the first time I really remember him was when he was up on the pulpit mm. standing over my dad's casket. And now here I am all these years later and he's dead and I'm standing over his. Wow. And, and, and so just how God used him and used the church and so many different things that can affirm where he was leading and directing in my life. And, and again, like, you know, all these years later now, I have a family, I've got a wonderful wife, we have three kids and, uh, you know, they're, you know, just amazing. And then you also want to like tear out your hair at other times <laughs> and, so, uh. um, and, and just, you know, still wanting to go further, put, preaching the gospel, doing what God has called, you know, me to do. And, in my life, just very thankful that I can look back and say, you know what, in spite of all my errors and imperfections and the places I've been and, and stuff I'm ashamed of, or, you know, whatever it is, like, there's just this constant presence of Jesus um, guiding me. I can, I can say, you know what, the Lord was with me. I like, no one can convince me that God does not exist. No one's yeah. able to convince me, you know, otherwise, because I've met Jesus, like I know him, he's been there. The Holy Spirit's um, is in my heart. And, uh, and so my, my life is sold out, you know, to him. And it's just a, amazing what he can do and how he guides you, you know, even from the time you were a little kid. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I think, it, I think it's Illinois that talks about, like, because I know you're talking about how, you know, you changed in high school. But, like, nobody can, like, um, like argue with a changed life. Like, like that yeah. testimony to God is, like, they can't argue with it that that's, like, not what really happened because they can see it and see like it had to be something so it was probably god like if that's what you're saying you know yeah that's it i mean we really people look for evidence you know apologetics is a great you know uh you know form of of, of argumentation and trying to help people find find god and it's mostly intellectual uh, but you know there's there there's something that is powerful about a human life like the life of paul like people knew this mm -hmm. dude like a christian hater christian killer uh prior and then all of a sudden this massive change and you can't explain that except for either insanity or, <laughs> or um, like nothing else can do that and people know no. and god bears down on our conscience as i said earlier like i i believe most if not all people know um that god, that god is there mm -hmm. is it we have not surrendered okay. to that because the holy spirit as much as god loves us god is not going to let people um get out of this world without impressing them with who he is, who Jesus is, what he wants to do for them, the life he can give them if they would just submit. Yeah. Uh, and, and so we are the greatest evidence uh, for the existence uh, of God. We are the, the scriptures that many people will never be able to read. Yeah. Um, so. That's such an awesome thought. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I loved your story. I love, yeah. I love being able to see God throughout, all throughout your life. I think that's so awesome. I think when we honestly look back, a lot of us can. We just you have to look for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you again for the, yeah, this is a chance to, to share and the opportunity to, to maybe, you know, someone will um, find encouragement, inspiration, you know, through how God has led in my life. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have it. I have it. There, nothing would be uh, worthwhile or have meaning or purpose without, without Jesus. Yeah.
That's so true. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Thank you again. Yeah, and thank you. All right, everybody, that's it for this week. Um, just remember, God is real. God is good. Bye.